In this week's episode of This Week in College Football, brought to you by CFB Talk Daily, we got two big interviews, uh, X5 star coming on. Also, we have an ex Syracuse quarterback coming on. We're going to keep the names out, keep you guys guessing who it is until we get to it. Uh, also, we're going to talk about last week's games, uh, find out if some teams are the real deal or not. We're going to talk about this week's games coming up. We predict some things in the rankings that will be coming out. So definitely want to be listening to this one. Catch you guys on the flip side. Sing us a song, you the shadow man. Sing us a song tonight. Well, you never were charged with a felony. Uh, welcome back to another edition of This Week in College Football, brought to you by CFB Talk Daily. Today is Friday, October 25th. This is probably going to be the best weekend in games we've had this year. Uh, we got a nice slate coming up, but before we jump into that, like always, we are going to talk about some of the games that transpired last week. So, John, we'll talk about one of the games you talked about, and we both predicted this to happen. Uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes did some really mean things to Northwestern. Uh, they probably won't like to talk about them, but I guess we can. Yeah, uh, that game was a beating. Talked to one of the managers at work. He's a big Buckeyes fan, and uh, he was happy about it, as he probably should have been. Uh, Justin Fields and Joe Burrow are my leading Heisman contenders right now. Uh, what do you think of that? I would agree. Um, I know last week I said Fields, and I think I also said uh, Jalen Hurts, but I mean Burrow has played himself into that conversation, and until he plays otherwise, I don't see himself not being in the conversation for a Heisman. I think Hurts fell out of my like favoritism in that Texas game. He didn't play great. He's actually probably the only reason that game was close, because he kind of played poorly. Mm-hmm. I agree so, with that. I think uh, I said that last week, too. Oh, uh, like yeah, we- probably. I just want to put that out there. Um, how about the game that you uh, predicted wrong? Uh, I can only imagine which game that is. Yeah, right? Yeah. Which, Washington which game? Washington going to beat Oregon. Oh, I did. Well, I, did I say that on air or did I say that between texts? Because I, I always mix that up. Um, I don't know, but you did say it. I oh, no, I did. I you did say it because you were wrong. And I said you were going to be wrong. And I will take full credit for being wrong because... I, I, like I said, I, and I don't remember if I said it in texts or in the podcast, but I remember what I said. I said that Washington, I mean, that Oregon is a very bad, like, road team. Yeah, so I wasn't sure if they were going to, oh, one win. <laughs> I wasn't sure if they were going to play well on the road. But obviously, they proved me wrong. But that kind of, kind of worked out for me because, well, we'll talk about this other game in a second. I was in the process of making a bet for Washington to win outright. Uh, and then you texted me about Wisconsin. And I was like, Wait, all right. What did I text you about Wisconsin? That Wisconsin was wasn't gonna lose. They were in the process of losing. They were, and then they did lose. And I said, let me throw on the Wisconsin game. And by the time the Wisconsin game had ended, I was like, oh, I got to shower real quick before work. So shout out Wisconsin for saving me money because I didn't bet on Washington. And shout out to you for telling me to turn on the Wisconsin game, which we'll talk about real quick. How much does that hurt Wisconsin for getting into the playoffs? I would say. Not so much because they still control their own destiny. They just can't drop another game. Like, I, I agree if, that. They definitely they, control their own destiny. Yeah, because they could still beat Ohio State twice, win the Big Ten. Like, you know, they just can't, they can't have another screw up. Yeah. You know who's not happy about this Wisconsin game? Whom? Dan Katz. Yeah, I saw the video. That's my favorite part of that video. And for anyone who didn't see it, it's probably on part of my takes Twitter. You have to go back a little bit, but they're all, I guess, I think they're on the RV watching it. And like at the end of the video, he crawls into the bottom tier bunk of a three layer bunk bed. Uh And just the way this grown man crawls into bed is so relatable to like watching like your favorite team lose. Like the amount of sadness that was in his body language was like so relatable. Uh, Did you also listen to part of my take on Monday? I missed Um, it. He was so upset. It sounded like. Oh, Suicidal Cat is back. Um, I, I would assume so. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Yeah, Um. what What other great games? That Illinois game, though, I want to talk about that quick. Yeah. Wisconsin game. I, I knew it was going to happen. Wisconsin's offense, Jack Cohn. They're in a good spot probably in the future. Their defense is nasty still. They're going to lose Jonathan Taylor, though, so. Ew. Oh, you know what? I, 
I actually do remember because I was telling John I wanted to talk about something, but I couldn't remember what the topic was because I thought about it early in the week and didn't write it down, and what I just it? remembered it. Um, is Wisconsin capable ever to be like a top tier program where they're getting in the playoffs every year? Recruiting. What? Recruiting. That's what it's got to be. They don't kill it in recruiting. Like occasionally they find a star, but they're not they're not going to have another complete team like this for a while. Because they struggle so much in recruiting skill positions, and, and my okay, I agree with you. But my also like the point I was going to make with that is I just think the Wisconsin's like outside of recruiting, I think their problem is play style. Like no, that too, they play the very Auburn style football where it's so boring, and like I feel like it's just not fun for like receivers to play in. So they take plays off and run blocking, and it ends up hurting you some games. Well, here was going to be my point with 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 Wisconsin. Where like everyone knows what Wisconsin is going to do every year, they're going to run the ball down your throat, and they're obviously going to do it with Taylor now. But the problem with them now doing that is when you play teams like Ohio State, who can afford to go man coverage, because you're going to have to rely on Cone beating someone, and and Cone's not a bad quarterback, but he's well, not yeah. a guy who yeah, but he's not a guy who can reliable you know hit a window or hit someone deep down field like I like obviously their bread and butter is running. But on a team like Ohio State, who can load the box on you and limit your running game, and that, that's like, all they do. Ohio yeah, State, they play exactly man coverage every play. That's yeah, and that's why I think that in order for them to beat Ohio State, they're going to have to rely on Ohio State on that defense and missing a lot of plays. And I don't see Ohio State's defense doing that. Oh yeah, we can get to that game in a little bit, but I agree that game is going to be a, a big yikes. I think for Wisconsin. Uh, let's look. take a look at what I, Oh, we can talk oh. about Clemson a little bit. We could talk about... They played Louisville, right? Indeed, they did. They've dropped Trevor Lawrence the had two more interceptions. They're dropped, they've almost dropped out of the top four. Yeah, I, I just don't... I don't see them dropping out of the top four. I think the drop... I think the, I think they might drop to four, honestly. But I don't... Five, I don't. I think without a loss, they don't drop to f- out of the four. I, I don't know why. I just have that feeling. Uh, I'm actually pretty curious to see where the committee puts them when that ranking does come out. The initial ranking, if everything stays the same like the way it is right now, it'll be four. Which I actually don't think it can. Cause I think LSU and Alabama play before that. No, they depend- don't play after. Okay, so okay, so perfect. So if everything stays the way it is, I'm curious to see how the committee rewards or penalizes them. Actually, probably more penalizes because I want to see if they yeah, keep them in the four and where they are in that four. Look, I have a just gonna put it out there. I don't think they went to play up this year. I think they will get left out. That's the bold. They get left out. Uh, also, another game, uh, six overtimes in the Virginia Tech UNC game. Saw that first shootout we've had. They made history. Yeah, <laughs> the first game to have to go to the two point conversion off. I know it was great. It's called the two point shootout. I love it. That's an awesome name for it. We can call it the two-point shootout, but we can't call it the Red River shootout. It's got to be the Red River showdown. Stupid. Georgia kind of like Georgia struggling against Kentucky with a, a wide receiver at QB. Yeah, but maybe he's nice. I mean, he was two of fifteen this week. He's a freak athlete. <laughs> so, so, I mean, he had. I think he was like seven of eleven two weeks ago. Wait, what was he? He was two of fifteen this week. So, I mean, uh. Oh, he's a running guy. You know, oh, I know. I'm, I'm, he is I'm not, not a quarterback. But I know. No, because I initially said, you know, maybe he's a good quarterback. But, I mean, 2 of 15, they're obviously not expecting him to throw a ball at all. I mean, he probably did better than, like, um, say, Johnny Lanigan would do. I don't know. Yeah, I don't even want to talk about that. Oh, I do. Because uh, we got to talk about Minnesota. So we're inadvertently going to talk about Rutgers. Okay. Um, Minnesota, very good. Yeah, uh, and it kind of hurts me to say this because you know how I feel about P.J. Fleck. But... At the end of the day, he has produced a six and O team, or are they seven and O now? Uh, seven, I think. Well, at the end of the day, they they yeah seven and O. They he has produced an undefeated team. So until they lose and are eliminated, they are technically still in the running for a college football playoff spot. Uh, I don't know if people know. Like I just don't like PJ Fleck for a lot of reasons. I yeah, may Rutgers guy too. I don't know why you don't like him. Ah, uh, don't get me started on him. I I still don't understand. I. Never understood why you don't like him. 
I think it, I, I don't think it's very like hard, like easy to understand. It's just one of those personal things where like I have a personal vendetta against him so hard that I don't even I don't even like fully know why I hate him. I have one reason and I stick to it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe look, maybe he looked at you funny or something like that. Yeah, probably. Um, Should have punched him in the face. Probably. Uh, Rashad tech, Bateman this, though, their wide receiver for uh, yeah Minnesota is nasty. He was Avery Young is obviously Rutgers' best corner. Most people don't know that. Uh, we do. And he was getting manhandled by Rashad Bateman on Saturday. So, shout out to him. Um, Texas struggled mightily. Kansas. It's Kansas. Less mild. Bringing the boys back. You know, uh, I heard that Tom Herman is happy that we're not in Kansas anymore. Game was at Texas, I'm pretty sure. but Yeah, it was at Texas, but it's okay. We can just imagine. Yeah. Next year, Texas to go to Kansas. Trap game. Uh, Carter Stanley, I mean, the kid threw for 310 yards, four touchdowns. I don't even know if he's Nate Stanley's brother, but I'm just going to say he is. You know, that game was so close that it reportedly caused a Texas kid to decommit. He uh, did decommit. I probably would, too. He uh, tweeted, uh, I can't believe this, and then decommitted the next day. <laughs> <laughs> so that's funny. Uh, let me take uh, one more game I want to talk about, but I want to make sure we hit them. All. Oh, BYU beating Boise State was, in my opinion, the biggest surprise of the week. I, I got a few more things I want to talk about after this. So you can, but wait, BYU beating Boise, you said? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, BYU's, they're like becoming like one of those good group five schools. You know what the problem is with BYU? Like, not, I've, they're not, BYU's not a group five. They? Well, they're, they're independent, but the problem with BYU was like, I, I think BYU is a very good football team. I mean, obviously they are. A lot of people think that. But, I mean, like, if you look at some of the teams BYU plays, like, they open with Utah. I mean, then they beat Tennessee, who Tennessee's not good, but it's still an SEC team. And then they – Give them their credit to beat an SEC school. They, they beat USC. Like, they've beaten good teams. And then well, for some – Okay, well, all right. Good teams and USC don't go in the same sentence. But, but then but, – right, but still, but, like, then I think of BYU and I'm like, ah, they're not that good. Like, Boise's going to blow them out. And then obviously they didn't. They beat um, them outright. Me. Give them credit for beating an SEC school. Also me. Yeah, USC, bad school. Yeah, you kind of contradicted yourself. That's okay. First of all, what's the last game you want to talk about just in case? I, it's I got two things I want to talk about, so just calm down. Oh, okay, buddy. First of all, a lot of men are built. A lot of men want this podcast, so they say, but we're the men that are built for this podcast. Exactly. Yeah, that Derek Mason video had me so hyped. He beat Missouri. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Vanderbilt upset Missouri. Guy saved his job and had the most hyped post-game interview ever. Yeah, if you haven't seen that interview, you have to watch it. Like, he actually – that's, like, one of, like, the best interviews I've ever seen. Just, like, the intensity he brought into it was so funny. We grind. We grind. We Vanderbilt men. Yeah. Commodore down. Commodore's anchoring down. Dude, I loved it. I, I was listening to it, and I was like, okay, okay. Could have said, like, he's never been so hyped. And he was talking, like, real, like, coachy. And then just screamed at the end and walked off. Like, um, the other game I just wanted to finish on uh, was we kind of went there. The Troy Dye interview about playing with a broken thumb and then, like, all that. And then you see the video of him hugging Crystal Ball. Great video. Yeah. Yeah, Crystal Ball was, like, hugging him. It was was a great video. That's all I want to talk about. We can go on to the next week now. Well, the last game I want to talk about. Oh, yeah, my bad. I, I, I don't know how we missed it, was uh, Penn State beating Michigan. Yeah. Was, I think that Michigan, like, showed up for this game. Like, they kept, you know, obviously they only lost by seven. Like, Michigan didn't yeah, play ten. Back, too. But, you know, so Penn State, the question now is, are they a real shot to win the Big Ten? No. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. I don't think they could beat Ohio State. I think they're looking at a Rose Bowl, depending on how Wisconsin does. Yeah, no, Penn State is not beating Ohio State. I, I'm, right, so, I'm very well, high on Ohio State right now. I think a lot of people are, including me, and I'm typically not. I hate Ohio State. I know. Um, I have a Ohio State shirt, Ohio State shorts. I'm a big Ohio State guy. I wouldn't say I hate Ohio State. I actually don't hate Ohio State. They're just like fact, when JT Barrett came to Columbus, the Astros lost 111 games, and by the time he left, they won a World Series. So JT Barrett turned around the Astros is what I'm saying. World Series MVP. I, I just thought you that you being a baseball guy, I'd find that interesting. That actually, yeah, that actually was funny. How quick that turnaround went. 
So we're going to jump into this week. Like I said, there's a lot of good games this week. Uh, first of all, we're going to talk about, and you mentioned it before we even got on the air, was USC Colorado. Big factor in that game is the snow. Yeah, it's supposed to snow, and it's a late night game. Uh, also, they play Colorado, right? Yeah. I just want to talk about Colorado, very talented wide receiver group. LaVisca Chenault, Katie Nixon. Uh, Katie Nixon's the best run block wide receiver in college football right now. He, uh, I saw tweets about it yesterday, so it's got to be true. Saw on the internet. But um, Can't put lies on the internet. We would yeah. know that you can do it. Uh, I'm probably going to bet on Colorado to cover the spread. Yeah, I was just saying, I probably will too. Um, also, the over-under on that game right now is 64 and a half. Oh, my God. Uh, it's a snow game. I don't see the ball getting thrown in the air that much. Uh, field goals are going to be maybe out of play. Like, maybe they're winter men. I'm yeah, maybe. but, you know, but still, even, you know, field goals are probably going to be out of question if, unless it's a point after. So, like, those 30-yard field goals that normally chip into the over, I don't see them happening. That's true. Um, Let's see. Obviously, the big game, or one of the big games. They got a lot of big games tomorrow. Yeah, one of, one of the big games is uh, Wisconsin, Ohio State. It's at noon. Yeah, you said that Wisconsin controls their own destiny, and this is where it starts. Um, yeah, they have, this, is, this is where we're going to find out if Ohio State is for reals. Yeah, th- this is going to be the game. Like, it's a four, like I, I texted you earlier in the week, and what did I say? What was the spread going to open at? Uh, a certain amount of points. Yeah, well, I told you it was going to open at at least two points, uh, two touchdowns. And it opened at 13 and a half. It's now 14 and a half. I think Ohio State's going to cover. I think Ohio State's just honestly going to really do bad things to them again. Uh, I think Ohio State easily is going to cover that. I think this is this is going to be one of those things where I don't think Wisconsin is a bad team. I just think Ohio State's a really good team. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's how that's how I feel about it too. Ohio State Jeffrey Okuda probably is playing his way into first round draft uh, choice. Chase Young is a game wrecker, and all all they do is run the. Is that game at Camp Randall? No. Nah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that they're the toast. shoe? Yeah, they're toast. Uh, so let's see what else we got. Uh, we'll talk about our boys real quick. Just real quick because we already talked about them once. Uh, Rutgers Liberty. Rutgers is plus seven at home. I'm not going to touch that game because. Uh, I think I I think I am, actually. I, I, as much as I shouldn't, I think I'm going to. I don't know how you're going to do it, being that you don't have a bookie. Um, because I have a VPN on my phone and I could change my location. Mm, that's illegal. I'm calling the police. If there's any police listening I mean, to this, well, uh, what you do is illegal as well. Using a bookie. Mm, that's your opinion. Um, okay, but back and use the bookie to gamble. <laughs> back to the point. Uh, yeah, I'm not going uh, to touch this game. First of all, my technically my dad is betting these games because it is his DraftKings account. So identity theft. Nope, well, yeah. no, I don't think so. Um, like I said before, though, uh, I, I can't be financially and emotionally involved with Rutgers. I can't do it. Uh, I can, but... All right, also, we have Penn State uh, playing Michigan. It's at Michigan State. Uh, could this be a little uh, trap game for Penn State? Uh, it, maybe. I, I don't think it will be, but I could see... A scenario arising where Penn State loses. Not saying it's a likely scenario, but I think if they don't play the best of their abilities, they could lose. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Three thirty. Oh, we have Auburn LSU. Mm-hmm. I think this is gonna. I I honestly think this is gonna be a shootout. A shootout. Yeah. Uh, mine ends with out, but it's not gonna be a shootout. Blowout. I think it's going to be a blowout. I just think that. What's the spread? Uh, uh, I think f- ten and a half. Oh my god! I I think that I think it's going to be LSU scores a lot of points, but also doesn't stop Auburn from scoring a lot of points. Why is? Did you see all, Auburn play Oregon? They couldn't score until the end. That is true. I will give you that. Oh my! I'm I'm taking LSU. I'm oh, hundred percent. I am too. But like, I could see this game being forty two thirty five. 42-35. Okay, I, I see a more likely a 28-0 LSU win, or 28-3. Okay. Um, any right, any so, other games? So now we're into the big part. Uh, we have Notre Dame-Michigan. 
This is a big, huge game for Notre Dame because even though they have the one loss against Georgia, uh, Notre Dame also controls their own destiny. Where if they you went out, Notre Dame, Michigan. Sorry. Yeah. Where if they could, you know, if they went out, they still have a fighter's shot to get in. Who? Notre Dame. If they went out, they have they have oh, a, a fighters. Oh, fighter okay. chance. I have to talk about it after this, but yeah. Um, I agree. Notre Dame definitely has a uh, a chance because they haven't lost. So well, they lost. To, they lost to Georgia. Oh, forgot about that. Cut that out. Yeah, I will. Um, I don't know how much of a shot Notre Dame has. They lost to Georgia. Quick change of tune there. Uh, we're probably gonna cut the part before that, but I forgot Notre Dame lost. And I, for two seconds ago, I was like, yeah, they have a shot. But uh, no, they don't have a shot. I don't think so. I think they need things to happen for them to get in. Well, I think that Georgia loss looks worse by the week. It's the only issue. Yeah. Like, two weeks ago, Georgia was a good loss. Yeah. Now that Georgia loss is like, oh, you probably should not have played them close. Like, because they're not as good as they were once advertised to be. Uh, and then the, the wrap-up of the night at 1030 is Oregon-Washington State. Uh, and I think that, I mean, we've talked about this. Oregon even being ranked at eleven, like they have, like they have a real shot at getting in. Oh boy, you're just buttering my bread right now, aren't you? You didn't know where I was going with that. I yeah, heard you say, bread. I heard I like you say, it. I mean, like there's teams in front of them who I don't realistically see having a chance to get in just because of who else they have to play. Well, that's my thing. LSU or Alabama, one of them's gonna have to lose. Like, exactly. Same with then, same with Georgia. Georgia, like they're ranked ahead of them, and Georgia's gonna have to play. In the SEC championship game, if they get through Florida. Yeah. And, like, and then there's going to be another loss added to that. Like, Penn State's going to have to Penn beat Wisconsin, Ohio, State, Ohio State. Like, yeah. Auburn, the same thing. Like, they're going to have to beat, like, someone's going to have to have two losses up there in front of them. So I don't, I, I don't agree with Oregon being 11. I think they should have higher ranking because I think they have a better chance of getting in than teams in front of them. No, I, I agree too. I think, I think. Oregon is going to see a big jump come playoff ranking time. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if the jump doesn't happen right away. Like, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they start, like, on the outside looking in. And then as we get closer towards the uh, actual playoffs, if Oregon jumps their way into, like, the seven or six spot and then lets the conference championship games play out. No, because I think they'll be like seven and eight. Because if you think November sixth is one week before LSU Alabama, and the only issue with that being is that Auburn or LSU, LSU will lose tomorrow, so that's one team in front of them losing, at least. So they'll probably be in top ten by the end of the week. And they wait, win. what date did the ranking come out? November sixth. Yeah, and then with Georgia and Florida, one of them's gonna have to lose because they play on the second. Uh, and the eleventh is Alabama LSU. Yeah, and Notre Dame might lose this week. Yeah, so like, there's a real chance that they're like eight by the time the rankings come out. Yeah. So I think the I think the committee will look at them and say, all right, you beat a like a ranked Washington team, like, and your first loss of the year was against a ranked Auburn team. And if you look back a few years ago, like whenever Michigan lost week one to Notre Dame and then last like year. manhandled last year, yeah. they were in until the end. They were like six. And then and I, uh, the Ohio State tragedy happened. And just to talk about that uh, Auburn game real quick, mm-hmm. as like even though it did get jotted down as a loss, like anyone who watched that game knows that Oregon was the better team in that game. Oh yeah, they controlled that game, and then they just let they let until, Auburn hang around too long. Yeah, up until the last, whenever Auburn scored, that's when they you know they led the whole game essentially. So yeah, I think exactly. that also is going to help them a lot come committee time. Yeah, because, like, they look at the games and, like, how you lost. And, like, I mean, the only reason Oregon lost is because Bo Nix decided to drag his balls all over our duck face. But Yeah, that was such a stupid play call. Dude, I know. I was like, what are they doing? What are they doing? And then, bam, Bo Nix just finds someone in the end zone. And, dude, my heart sank. I shut my TV off or went to sleep. And I get to work in the morning, and I'm just like, oh, John, tough luck for the- Tough luck for the Ducks, and I was about to be like, "Yeah, I, I hate you, bro." Like, <laughs> I quit. All right, so that rounds up the spread of games for this week. 
does. Uh, let me look around and see if there's anything else we want to talk about real quick before we jump into interviews. All right, so the first interview we're going to have uh, is a definite uh, ex-Syracuse quarterback, uh, John Kinder. He comes on, talks to John. And then yeah, after, that, yeah, after that, we have Savon Huggins. But that's getting recorded later tonight. So depending on how that goes, it might not come into tonight's episode. So if it's not in tonight, tonight's episode, uh, definitely look forward to next week's episode. So we're either going to have one or two really good interviews. It's still up in the air. I guess we'll keep you guys guessing. Uh, so uh, enjoy John Kinder. Yep. All right, cool. So um, I'll start. All right, so we're here with a uh, former Syracuse quarterback, John Kinder. John, what's up? Not much, man. How are you? Uh, pretty good. Uh, I know I just told you I'll call you in a minute. I was finishing a Madden playoff game, so. Did you win? I did. 42-6. Okay, who... Oh, jeez. Oh, you're that guy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you texted me and I was like, oh, hold on a minute. Like, I can't lose. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, I just want to talk. Uh, do you still keep up with uh, Syracuse? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I know they're playing NC State right now. I haven't had a chance to uh, check in on the score, though. Yeah, I think they're down six right now. I was watching on my laptop before. OK. Um, yeah. So like, do you still go to any uh, games or anything or like, you know, um. No, I haven't been. I, I was at their spring game two two years ago and, and worked like a youth camp. Um, mm-hmm. But that's that was the last time I was there. I only live about three hours away, so I, I definitely could hop over and see a game at any time, I guess. Yeah, I, I actually uh, I applied to Syracuse out of high school. I got in, but I didn't end up going. It's like six hours from here in New Jersey, I think. Oh, are you are you from Jersey? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, we live like 20 minutes from Rutgers. Like we're, we're big Rutgers fans, so. Nice. And uh, I know one of the kids, you coached Cole Snyder, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So uh, what was it like uh, with him as your quarterback for uh, how many years? Cole, so I had Cole for three years. Started, uh, I started with him as a sophomore. Um, he started for us on the varsity. And he was awesome right right away from the from the get-go. I could tell he was a different, he was different than the rest of the players. I could tell he was, he was really heady kind of had like a natural feel for the game and, and understood mm-hmm. the game and, and where the football needed to go. So I, I knew early on that he was going to be fun to work with. Yeah, I mean, you probably saw like a little bit of yourself, you know, you being a former D1 quarterback. I'm sure you were the man in high school. Um, Actually, actually, I saw qualities within him that I, I wish I had. Um, He's much really? more cerebral. Yeah, he's much more cerebral than I ever, you know, dreamed of being. I, I relied heavily on my legs as a quarterback, and um, I think I came out of high school when that was like a big thing. You know, the spread offense was just getting going. You know, you had Auburn, you had Oregon, so everyone was just running zone read, and that was what my high school coach did. And um, he was a great coach, but I felt like it almost did a disservice um, to me moving forward, making the jump to D1, where you actually have to go through a progression, read a defense, and those are all things that Cole kind of has like a natural feel for. Yeah, no, I mean, I've talked to him a few times uh, while he's been at Rutgers, and I mean, I, I can't wait. I saw he got, I think he got a snap last game. Yep, uh, I yep. Think, I think, yeah. So I, I came up with this, uh, the nickname. We're calling him Cold Blooded. So. Ooh. Yeah, so we 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 need to get that off the ground. <laughs> oh yeah, we do. I'll start hashtagging that. I like that. <laughs> yeah, that's what we need. Um, so I just want to talk about like uh, your time at uh, Syracuse and what it's like, like now coaching kids and how that's like helped you as a coach. Absolutely, man. Ask away. All right. Um. So just like, you know, how do you like, do you help kids in their recruitment now like that you've been through the process? Is it easier? Um. Yeah, it, it's changed quite a bit. The landscape of of recruiting and um just how guys go about it. It's obviously, as you know, social media is a big kind of, um you know, a big tool in the recruiting game now. And that really wasn't a thing when I was coming out. But yes, I definitely help a lot of kids. Um get looked at and find their find their college home yeah i also wanted to ask your opinion because uh you transferred from syracuse uh as a junior or a senior right uh, no so i graduated and then with my final year of eligibility um transferred for for a fifth year to stony brook back home in long island oh okay so you didn't transfer you grad transferred yeah i grad yeah i graduated and then transferred yeah so i just like well what's your opinion like now on like the transfer portal like do you think like maybe you would have used that in college or I, I talk about this all the time um i'm not while i i agree 
not that I agree, but while I'm okay with guys, you know, making decisions for themselves and for their families um, to transfer, I I could never see myself um, having done that just because for a number of reasons. I think Syracuse education-wise is top-notch university. Um, I also really enjoyed my time there. I met, you know, what who ended up being my wife. Um, so I, I really loved everything about Syracuse. And I don't think my lack of playing time um, was enough to deter me or, or to make me transfer. So, you know, kudos to these kids who are utilizing it now, but I just don't think that that was the route for me. No, yeah, it's like you're saying, like, outside of football, Syracuse had everything else you wanted, so. Exactly. It just wasn't worth, you know, like, you know, going for a year to play football somewhere and not being happy everywhere else. Right, right. I was I was happy enough to areas outside of football that I didn't think I needed to leave. Yeah, no, I, I see that. Because, like, I mean, I feel like a lot of kids now transfer, like, you know, like I feel like you got to just be real with yourself at some point, like, if you're a senior who's never started a game, like not even as a quarterback, any position, you know, don't transfer just to maybe get a year we can press NFL guys. Like, maybe focus on getting a degree and just being happy. Like, sure. Yeah. Um. So now you're you're a quarterback uh, coach, right? Or are you a head coach in high school? Um. No. So I am the passing game coordinator. Fancy name for you know the guy who just works <laughs> works with the passing game and installs that. <laughs> and then I coach our quarterbacks and wide receivers. All right, so uh, do you have any guys on your team now that are like you know talented, not getting a lot of looks? Or? Yeah, we've got uh we've got a few quite a few prospects um to mention too who are seniors. Uh, we've got Conrad Thomas and Taiwan Wright. Conrad plays defensive end and tight end, and Taiwan is a running back and an outside linebacker. Yeah, that's just pretty both sides of the ball, pretty athletic. Yeah, they're athletic dudes. They both are over six six foot three. Um, Taiwan goes 230 and Conrad's about 215 long athletic uh, they both play basketball so they come from that kind of um, at, you know they're, they're com- coming from that athleticism where and you can see it on the field Conrad is just long and uses his length pretty well um, and, and the same could be said for Taiwan you know as a, as a ball carrier at, at 230 pounds a lot of people would think that he's you know straight downhill kind of guy but he's, he's actually pretty shifty himself yeah, it's like I feel like you're starting to see a little more of the running backs being like a little heavier yet still having the speed and like uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say like it's the shiftiness like not being... uh, yeah absolutely like Ezekiel Elliott and uh, Saquon Barkley I think Saquon's like 225 which is yeah, pretty yeah, heavy they're just they're ripped and they're they're still they're freak of nature it's like mm-hmm. even Pacheco Isaiah Pacheco I, I'm a big fan of him um I think he's definitely gonna play on Sundays. Yeah, no, I, I like him especially. I mean, do you know like his uh, background and stuff? Or no, no, I've I've heard a little bit about his story, but I, I'm really not too familiar with it. Yeah, I think his brother and his sister got murdered. So, oh like, man. Yeah, so like I think he plays with like so much passion, like and like it's just crazy seeing him do so well, like with all that on your plate as a college kid. Right. Yeah, yeah. he's he, he's special. I, I could tell last year when even when he would come in sparingly, um, I was always. A fan of him and and just wondering why he didn't play more as a true freshman yeah and he's big too he's another one of those guys that are like he's not a small running back yeah i think he's like six one two two twenty five something like that yeah so uh just to get to know you a little bit here uh because i'm assuming we're gonna have you back on eventually because when you seem pretty cool i mean we've had some guests who are a little less open about their questions um if you could be an offensive coordinator at like any school, where would you go? Or like a head coach? Oh, uh, like colleges. That's yeah, that's a great question. If I could be an offensive coordinator at any school, where would it be? Well, I'd have to say Syracuse, just because you know, as corny as it sounds or cliche, I you know, it's the alma mater. Um, it's not too far from my family, not too far from my in-laws, <clears throat> and I I like what they're what they have going. I like the culture that Dino's established, and um, I think I would definitely fit well into like a, a pass heavy air raid type attack yeah i, I love dino babers as a coach he's like real classy uh what do you think of tommy devito i like tommy he's a new jersey guy right he's uh don yeah. bosco yep i like tommy i think he needs to just settle in and 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 um kind of just get comfortable and that'll happen with reps and and the more games he plays but i like tommy i've i watched him a little bit when he was on the elite 11 and i thought 
I liked the way he went about his business. He was kind of like a under the radar guy. You know, there were some bigger name guys on the Elite Eleven with him, and and he outshined him, outperformed him. No, yeah, definitely. I, I think he had like crazy expectations coming into this year. Like people, I think uh, Athlon Sports had him as like a top fifteen college quarterback coming into the year, which is like kind of crazy for his first year starting. Right. Well, I think I think a lot of that those preseason accolades come from you know, what you've done a little, and he, he did have a little bit of reps the last year. I think he came in and won a game versus North NC state. No, it was North Carolina. Yep. It was UNC mm-hmm. that in the dome, I think overtime, maybe even. So they, they really didn't have much to base that off of, but I can see why they would think that he would, he would have been, you know, a premier quarterback this year, but it does, it's one of those things. It takes time. You got to get the, the timing down with your receivers. And I was also a big fan of Eric Dungy. Yeah, me too. I loved. He's like a true football guy, Eric Dungey. Like, yeah, for sure. Like, Tim like Tebow. whatever it takes. Like, and like when they upset Clemson, like that was just like the most Eric Dungey game ever. He had like 200 passing yards and like 130 rushing yards, I think, something like that. Like, yeah, Eric's a savage. I love his. I love the way he plays the game. Yeah, he he was great. Um, two, I think I had two more questions for you. Uh, one is that the Carrier Dome's like one of the best stadiums in college football. Like what's it like being in there and like all like all the facilities at Syracuse? The facilities are top notch. They they put up they there's a a lot of pride that they take in, in their facilities and, and making sure that they have state of the art everything. Um I never used it but I, I was told that the basketball program has uh underwater treadmills. What? Which is like yeah, they have underwater treadmills and it's like it, it gets your rehab up, I want to say, like 50% faster rate than it would, you know, doing normal normal rehab stuff. It's like it's like really top-notch, state-of-the-art technology. Um, so, yeah, I love the facilities, loved everything about Cuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they've grown since I've been there. Like, they're, they're really big time now. When I went back for that spring game, I was amazed to see the just the additions that they made to the locker room and to, um, to the football complex. It, it was really cool to see. Well, yeah, because now, I mean, like, Syracuse is, like, usually the second, third, maybe second best team in the conference. So, like, they've got a lot. Like, they're from a basketball school. Now they're, like, becoming, like, a football, like, program. Almost, yeah, like. for sure. You hit it on the head. Absolutely right. Uh, so my last question just has to do with, uh, like, the prospects in, like, upstate New York. Like, not on your team. Like, who are some, like, the talented guys that you've uh, seen? Uh, there's a St. Francis quarterback, Jake Ritz. Um He's and he's young. He's a junior this year, and um, he he's got big numbers. Who else? Um, and you'll have to forgive me. You kind of caught me off guard with this question. There, there's no, a lot of there's a lot of talent up here. Um, Canisius High School has has a few dudes. Did you ever um, play against uh, Seven McGee? Yeah, I actually did this summer. We we did a Penn State seven on seven tournament and seven. Um, that was, that was the last game we played. They, his team smoked us. They they had like a travel seven on seven team. He wasn't with a, a high school necessarily. It was like a travel team, uh-huh. and um and they cooked us. But it was great for our kids because we come from a small class C school, so uh-huh. it was really good for our kids to kind of get that experience and play against some some dudes like that. But yeah, he's from Rochester. He's a he's a good 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 prospect. Yeah, I think he's like he's the number one athlete in his class. Like I'm an Oregon fan, so I know a lot about him. Like I'm excited to like, see him play at Oregon. But like he's just he's like a grown man like for yeah he know he is for sure he he was ridiculous just the way he backpedaled and the way he got in and out of his breaks just so seamlessly he's his change of speed is crazy well that, that's what I've read I've read like a lot of people like writers and stuff like say that he could be a better DB than he is running back and like he gets the Anthony Thomas comparison so like what is he a DB yeah, yeah I, I I think he was a, I, I that's what I thought he was gonna play um truthfully when I saw him out at the seven on seven tournament, I thought he looked more natural at, you know, in the secondary. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And I feel like a lot of people underestimate the Northeast in terms of football talent. Like they think like, Oh, like oh, those guys are just linemen, but really there's a lot of skill talent up here. Tons, tons of skill talent. And I think what makes us different than a lot of other areas of, of the country is that we have multi-sport athletes. Like a lot of those, you know, your Texas, your Florida, you know, places like that, they're, they're just football guys. So they're lifting in the off season and they're doing a lot of stuff predicated just towards football. Whereas 
um, it's kind of a double-edged sword with us. You know, we have to share time with other sports, but it's also what makes our athletes so good is that they can draw from, from these other sports that they play. Yeah, you can get footwork from, like, basketball and stuff, and you can put that in route running. Like, it just translates yep. well. For sure. Um, yeah, so I think that's everything. Unless there's anything else you want to touch on or talk about, I don't... Um, no, not necessarily. I'm, I'm curious as to how you got kind of started up with your with your Twitter profile and everything, you seem to have a pretty good following. All right. So uh, me and my best friend, Matt, he was supposed to do this interview with me, but uh, he's stuck in traffic on the way back from Golden Corral. So um, me and him started a Twitter probably in December of 2017. And we were like, Oh, maybe we'll get like a hundred followers one day. And we were like, Oh yeah, cool. Let's try to do that. So um, our first tweet, we tweeted about uh, AJ Brown. He's on the Titans now. Uh huh. We, t- we read that on, like, a message board that he was transferring. So we tweeted it, and uh, he quote tweeted it. It got, like, 20,000 likes, and he was <laughs> like, I'm not going anywhere. And he had, he had like, 40,000 followers on Twitter at the time. And, like, we got a bunch of people tweeting at us, like, oh, you guys are wa-. We had a verified news reporter tweet that uh, we were just a sorry man with a laptop. Uh-huh. So, um, but we, we gained, like, 17 followers off that, so that's how it started. And then just okay. tweeting, like, every single day, grinding. And uh, after two years, we're at almost 15,000 followers. We've got a podcast. That's awesome, man. You dudes are killing it. Yeah, like, I mean, we're both college students, but, like, I don't even know if I want to, like, pursue my degree, like, anymore. Like, I want to go to journalism. Yeah, that's awesome. See, it's it's so funny how I hear that more and more every day. Like, people aren't using their degrees. They're finding hobbies and making their hobbies. Their hobbies are turning into careers for them. It's the coolest thing. Yeah, like, for, for me, I feel like the best way I could, like, kind of, like, translate it is, like, uh, like YouTubers almost. Like, how, like, they start doing it as a hobby, and then, like, you know, next thing you know, it's, like, paying their bills. Exactly. You monetize it, figure out how to make it your business, and b- just brand it. Yeah, that's, that's what we're trying to do. I mean, we just started monetizing it, like, probably a few months ago, but we're, like, we're partnered with SeatGeek, so that's, like, pretty cool. Good for you guys, man. I'm excited. Yeah, I, and I appreciate you reaching out, and anytime you want to touch base and chat uh you know I'm, I'm i'm down to i'm down to come on and talk to you guys yeah definitely like, maybe in the off season we'll uh talk to Rutgers compliance try to get you and cole on the same episode like yeah that'd be cool that'd be really cool yeah definitely uh so yeah. uh, thank I'll you keep, for coming on no problem and i'll also keep you posted on some guys that i'm working with who are getting some some big time looks and possibly get them on have them talk and um like you said, I know you just mentioned compliance and stuff like that, but we'd have to look into that. But I think that'd be really cool getting these young guys on and so they can brand themselves and they can get more comfortable speaking to and, and more of this interview type of format because they're going to have they're going to be asked to do it a lot when they're in college. Oh, definitely. Any guys you have that you would you think? Sure. Send like send them to us. Send us their Twitter. Send us their film. OK, for sure. I will do that. All right. So thank you. Yep. All right, man. We'll talk. All right, so that was John Kinder, and like I said, we weren't sure if we were going to get Savon Huggins into this episode, so I worked my magic. Me and John got him on, and we got it in. So here we go. Ex-five-star recruit, Savon Huggins. Here we go. All right, guys, so we are here with former five-star recruit, Savon Huggins, and he is now currently a coach at St. Peter's. Savon, what's going on, man? Thanks for coming on. Good. How's it going? Thank you, fellas, for having me. So we're first going to start, uh, you're coaching out at St. Peter's Prep. For the people who aren't from New Jersey, they are you know, one of the powerhouse schools in New Jersey. A lot of guys go out of there uh, into the upper echelon schools in college football. So how are you guys doing this year? What kind of guys you got coming out this year? Give us the report. You know, we got uh, Ohio State commit Cody Simon, one of the best def- defensive players in the state. Um, uh, Miles, George Rooks. I got a, we got pretty good tailbacks and Ethan Rodriguez, Paul, and Tyon Smith. Um, you know, some great wide receivers in Jaylon, uh, Sanchez, and Byron Shipman. So we got about, almost close to about 10, you know, one or FCS guys, you know, um, that uh, are, are very capable of, you know, playing big-time football. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's great, man. It's been a great, you know, uh, so far. And, you know, the goal is to just continue to get better week by week. Yeah, so you were talking a little bit earlier about uh, Cody Simon. So we're just going to add that into the interview. But uh, do you want to talk about uh, maybe some of the underclassmen you guys have? Um, Taj Mel Bullock, um, he, he's our starting quarterback. And I'll tell you what, man, I, I've 
played with some really good quarterbacks. I've seen some great quarterbacks. I've, I've got a chance to coach Josh Rosen. Um, you know, really? Dolphins, yeah, down down in Miami, and, and I'm not saying I'm comparing any Taj Mel to any NFL quarterback, but when you talk about an elite player that's not phased by the moment and, and, and is a, a true leader, um, he has those attributes of you know the people at the highest level that I've seen. Um, mm-hmm. Taj Mel just has this it factor about him, you know, and, and the thing about you know obviously an it factor is that's something that you can't teach. Like you can't teach an it factor. Like that's either you have it or you don't. And uh, Taj Mel is, is a kid who, who, you know, leads by example. He embraces and he loves practicing. Um, you know, everything you ask him to do, you know, he's the first one in line to do it. You know, he's staying after practice for extra reps. He's watching, you know, a ton of film, asking a lot of questions. I mean, he, he comes in every day asking our OC, you know, when, 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 we, when do we have time to watch film? So, you know, Taj is a, is a player who's constantly – you know, trying to better himself, and he still has a lot to grow. But um, you know, he's a really, really good player for us. No, definitely. I I wanted to ask you. I was meeting you this player in your uh, Twitter bio. It says recruiting and NCAA coordinator. So does that mean like you handle all the recruiting for your uh, kids? Yes, absolutely. So I, I wouldn't say I solely do it by myself, but I, I am the point person uh, where I can handle all transcript information and. SAT, ACT scores and any guidance related stuff or, you know, making sure that I have kind of like a protocol that I can reach out to teachers so that, you know, the kids can make sure that they see the, the, uh, the right coaches when the coaches come into the building. Um, so yeah. I am when it comes to that and, and obviously creating profiles every individual athlete um, of their test scores, their unofficial transcripts, uh, you know, their demographics of where they're from, their huddle. Uh, all of the, all, all of those things that kind of make it a lot easier for the coach when they come in, um, and, and basically rap sheet of each and every individual player. Mm-hmm. So, I, just for the people who uh, aren't like from New Jersey, do you want to talk about like some of the coaches you've interacted with like uh, recently? Or yes, um, definitely. Um, you know, I, I played college ball at Rutgers University, and uh, I played underneath Greg Schiano. Um, you know who. who was you know also the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He was also uh, the defensive coordinator for the Ohio State and was most recently the D coordinator for the New England Patriots in the offseason. And he had he stepped down for a little while, um, you know. But him, Frank Signetti, who who uh, you know coached some some big time backs and Deion Lewis. Um, he was also Eli Manning's, Sam Bradford's, and Aaron Rodgers' uh, quarterback coach. So you know that was also my offensive coordinator. Um, uh, I think his Get his first name. I'm having a brain fart. But Josh McDaniel's brother. Josh McDaniel's brother was the receiver coach at Rutgers. So Josh McDaniel's everybody knows that is 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 uh offensive coordinator Patriots. His brother um came from Denver Broncos and started coaching us. He was our receiver coach at Rutgers. PJ Fleck um was my receiver coach as well. He's the head coach for the University of Minnesota. Um, you know, so I I, I, I the list honestly can go on and on and on. Some of the big that, you know, I've encountered um, even, you know, uh, Sal Sinceri, who was a D coordinator at Tennessee and also a D line coach for Alabama. Um, you know, uh, coach uh, Pat Narduzzi, who's the head coach at uh, uh, Pitt right now. Um, then obviously Brian Flores, the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. I got a chance to coach underneath him. Chad O'Shea, who used to be Julian Edelman's uh, wide receiver coach who won three Super Bowls with the England Patriots. So, uh, you know, I have a lineage of coaches that I've, I've been able to learn from over the course of my playing career, my short, you know, coaching career. Yeah, that's, that's, that's like a – oh, my, my bad, my bad. You can go first. That's okay. So I just wanted to go into my first quick question because you just kind of brought it up with Shiano. Um, when you you committed to Shiano, and what was what, after your freshman year when Shiano left for the Bucks, or was that after your sophomore? I said my, my freshman year. So, so when you're talking to your guys now, and I know this kind of puts you in like a unique situation to talk about, do you like when you're telling your guys? I'm not saying like you know you might not want to play for Kyle Flood. Not saying anything against Kyle Flood, but do you tell guys like, hey, I don't want you committing to a school because the coach might leave. Like, hey, look, I was there for a year, and then Chiano left, and then you know this guy I was you know who I thought was going to be my coach for three or four years is now not there. Like, do you tell your guys those kind of situations? Because that has to be a unique oh, scenario oh, oh, oh. where not everyone has. Well, to be honest with you, you know, the great thing outside of Coach Shiano leaving was that I made a, 
a 40 year decision, not a four year decision. And I, I think that that's what, you know, student athletes need to make. If they make is a, a 40 year decision. Don't make a decision for the next three to five years of your life. Uh, make it for the next 30, 40 years of their life. And, and for me, you know, regardless of who was the head coach, uh, despite how it went, I was always okay with the result because I was picking in school, not just for football. I mean, when I when I committed, they didn't even go to a bowl game that year. So, you know, I understood the fact that could potentially go into play. I believe, but as far as academically and relationship-wise and network, which can help me more importantly outside of just playing football. So when I tell all the guys, you know, make sure that you make a 30 to 40 year decision and not a four to five year decision it is the best piece of advice despite no, no matter the school that they go to. That's the most important thing. Yeah, and I bet like a lot of kids probably aren't told that guy. We've talked to a lot of kids who are still recruits and I haven't heard one kid brought up like a kind of person who's in the role that you're in. So I guarantee that, you know, that kind of advice has probably helped a couple of kids, you know, right. making their decision. No, one hundred percent, definitely, definitely makes the makes the the kid, you know, answer the questions when you got two or three different schools and and, and you want to compare one school because one school is better than the other as far as football is concerned, but you like the campus better and then you like this, you know, you like this because they had this particular program and, and, and you know I don't tell them what to do, but I I say that and and it kind of gives them a little bit of clarity as far as the decision and feel more comfortable with whatever decision they make. No, that's actually really good advice because, like, you know, being college students, like, that just made me think a little bit. And I was like, wow, that was actually, like, a pretty good quote. Like, the uh, 40-year decision? Yes, absolutely. So uh, I just want to talk a, a little bit. Uh, under Shiano for a year, uh, would you endorse him as a head coach for Rutgers now? Or? No, yeah, yeah most definitely. Um. I mean, I, I, honestly, I would endorse anybody who can help us win a ball game. To be honest with you, uh, but but for sure, you know, Coach Shiano. I mean, I coached. I mean, I, I played for him. Um, and, I mean, we had a lot of success when I was there, and, and and you know, even before I was there as well. And I think you know the 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 thing that makes Shiano so valuable, or is his in, in his his ability to be able to garner attention from everybody, despite whether you like football or not. And I think that's the, the, the it factor you talk about as far as the player or the thing that brings him so much more value than most other candidates is is that, you know, you're looking for a name. I think that's the big thing is finding a name, but finding somebody that people can gravitate to. Um, maybe there is other coaches out there, you know, but I think, you know, a lot of people know who Greg is. They're familiar with him. And, you know, uh, you know, everybody's, you know, it's, it's, it's about time for Rutgers to win some more ball games. You know, everybody's is impatient. Um, and as they should be, you know, everything's about, you know, winning games, winning games. And, and, and if you can't win, you know, then it's the next guy up. So, you know, everybody, you know, lack of better words, the time is now or never, you know. So everybody wants to make sure they can get the right candidate and get See, yeah. I'll keep doing that. <laughs> yeah, I know. We, we always do that, though. But so that kind of like leads me to my next question. Like, I'm not sure how much interaction – uh, you had with Ash while he was recruiting guys or anything, but was there anything that you noticed with him if you did have interactions or if you heard through the grapevine? Like, obviously, you were recruited by Shiano and Flood, and Flood was a great recruiter, and as well was Shiano. Was there any, like, tactics that you were seeing Ash doing when you were like, man, like, you know, this isn't going to work out? Like, I've seen, you know, I saw Shiano and Flood recruit. Like, they did it this way. Like, it's the only way to do it. I mean, everybody wants to sit here and talk about, you know, Coach Ash's, you know, uh, uh, you know, time at Rutgers, but I will say this one, you know, it's not an easy job to take, you know, to take the Rutgers job first and foremost. I agree. You got to understand, like, he had success at Wisconsin before, before he went to Ohio State, you know, so, so you know, we want to sit here and, and say, Coach Ash, is this or that? I'm like, yo, the guy has won a lot of ball games, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and I think our judgment is clouded based on his tenure at Rutgers. But, I mean, he easily picked up a job like that. Now he's a defensive analyst for you know, University of Texas. So, as you can see, you know, it ain't like he he, he is no slouch. Um, I think it's just everybody has different, you know, styles of recruiting. I don't think anything he did was was good or bad. I think, you know, at the end of the day, we, we live and die by the result. You know, there may be some things that Coach Chiano did that, you know, people don't agree with. But, you know, or, or, or if, if, if it was Saban or if it was Dabo, you know, there may be things that, you know, people don't agree with, but nobody really cares about that but the end result. So at the end result, 
isn't, you know, what we all anticipate, then, you know, everybody, you know, is in an uproar or feels a way about, you know, or, or tries to find reasons as exactly why, you know, why are they are or aren't they doing those things. So I think that's more so it than anything. No, see, I agree what you said about Ash, uh, people judging him too much on his Rutgers tenure. Because if you look at the DBC coach while he was at uh, Ohio State, like Malik Cooker, Eli Apple, Denzel Ward, like, he's just like NFL studs. Like, Isaiah Wharton, I, I mean, he was a great DB at Rutgers. He didn't really get talked about a lot because he was at Rutgers, but you know, he, him and Wharton, I mean, him and uh, Austin were locking guys down. Same thing with uh, Saquon Hampton. Yes, absolutely. Definitely were, man. So, you know, I mean, he. NFL guys are gonna find talent no matter the no matter the school. So yeah, so now, uh, I have a interesting I want to talk about what you do. So you transferred from Rutgers, right? I, yes. I think you're sophomore, junior year. Senior, senior. Oh, you grad transferred. So what's your opinion on the transfer portal now? I like, do you think it's uh, beneficial for the players? I think it. I think it. It, it is. I, I think it's twofold. I think it's it's unfortunate for the coaches, you know, uh, for the kids to to, to play around their future. Um, it also puts more, you know, uh, it puts more on, on the kid than the coach because the kid can just enter into the transfer portal. What, what, what the real reason why, honestly, what was established was mm-hmm. the, 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 uh, the top schools like the Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia's who play at the end of the year where those kids can get ev- evaluations. I mean, obviously, there's other things to it, but you know, mm-hmm. those programs benefit from the most. Because, you know, now, you know, a team like Clemson can play true freshmen in the final three, four games and not have to wear a red shirt. It's very beneficial for those power, you know, power, you know those those strong schools. Because they got the, all the kids on their roster. They do whenever they want. You know, you game can freaking you know, all week for, you know, this particular team. And then... They put a wrinkle in of somebody who is just as good as not better, but he's stuck in the you know behind a depth chart where it just creates a whole different lens. So I mean, there's pros and cons to it. No, yeah, like, I, I, an example of it being abused is real quick. I think like how Houston's kind of doing it. Like they asked their like senior quarterback who was an almost who was an early Heisman like candidate to redshirt just so they have him for another year. Like, yeah, well, and, yeah. and, and, and and I think that that that's great, you know. Um, and, and again, I. I didn't even know that until you told me. I mean, yeah, he's a senior too. Yeah, there's a few players who he has redshirting. And uh, there was actually well, one tackle on their team. He grad transferred there, and he went on like a public outlash of like, uh, they told me they wanted to compete now, and like now they're asking other seniors to redshirt, and I, I'm, I've used all my eligibility. Like, and they will use you to get what they want out of you. Um, and, and, and that's why I say it, it goes back into the players. Or, you recognize that and you are an advocate of your own future. That won't happen to you. But that's something that, you know, I didn't even hear of that. But that, that's kind of crazy. Like, not a season going, you're going to tell them that shit. Like, I understand it, you know, but, you know. Yeah, if it's the other way around, then yeah, I, I get it. I, I think uh, Matt has uh, got the one last question and then we're going to wrap it up. If that's okay with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's more of like a. Like your opinion, it's not really a question. So obviously you were recruited as a five-star, so you went through the whole recruiting process. And now, you know, you said you're a big role in helping these kids with the recruiting process. You know, now that you're removed and you're kind of looking at it in a different angle, uh, to you, what is more stressful, like being recruited or helping these kids in the recruiting process? It's almost force-fed to these kids. Sometimes these kids are overwhelmed or like they just genuinely can't handle it. And when parents invest so much money in personal trainers, and, and what that does, it, it creates a, a friction between coach, player, and student athlete. Because the student athlete just wants to play ball. The parents being their biggest advocate, most coaches, you know, are unaware of all the instances that go on and, and stuff like that. But the ones who do, they struggle with, you know, like, listen, like, this is the deal. This is what we're trying to do, yada, yada, yada. And, and you know, some parents want to take it into their own hands, and they think that, you know, um, by doing that, that's going to always help, but sometimes it doesn't. And then, you know, sometimes parents, you know, want to blame the coach or, or, or put so much pressure on the kids. But I honestly think it's so dropping this knowledge and sharing with them and and make help with them realize that it's a process. Like, they mm-hmm. want it so, so fast. Like, now, that 
aren't willing to, you know, take their time and really figure out what's best for their kids. Um, and, and they wholeheartedly believe that they know what's best. Yeah, they, I can imagine. I mean, they probably want their kid to jump on that first offer that comes in, and it probably, you know, it might not be the right fit, and the right fit might be two months down the road. Not even like you know, the perception of what college is and what you see on TV are two different things. And most parents, especially if they aren't young parents or old parents, you know, they you know you got the parents who who never played before or don't know anything, but they be some advocates and nothing wrong with that. But 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 they kind of get in the way of their student athletes for their kids, or you got the and and you know. They know too much to the point where they know probably know more than a coach, and, and it becomes a you know a power struggle. And, and I think because taking away from the kid just being able to play, and now the kid is making a decision based on what the parents wanted to do instead of the kid. All right, so I just got uh, one quick last thing. Uh, do you know Kasim Green? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's our boy. We had him on the podcast. He also thinks Shiano would be a good fit. So. Um, yeah, I just want to say that. <laughs> and I appreciate you guys for having me, man. And most people want to do what you guys do, but aren't willing to put the work in, you know. So I, I, I applaud you guys. I really love it. That's why I want to jump on. I'm like, man, I think this is dope what you guys are doing, man. I, you know, I would love to collaborate and do things in the future with you guys, man, because what you guys are doing is uh, uh, great. And, and, you know, all it takes is just to have an idea and go right to work. And, and clearly you guys are doing it. No, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. That. Yeah, and I mean, you know, anytime you know, the seat's always open to you whenever you want to come back on and talk. Yeah, it's always open. Definitely. All, All right, Zavon, thank you very much for coming on, man. Thank you, care, Good luck the rest of the year. Thanks, man. All right, so that was Savon Huggins. Uh, came on, talked about some Rucker stuff with us. Really good insight on a lot of things that you know typically we wouldn't really get to know about. Also, if you haven't entered into the giveaway for uh i can't remember quick lane bowl quickly yeah, there was i was gonna say the belk bowl for some reason but the quick lane bowl in detroit if that's something that piques your interest uh go over to our twitter look at the rules and you know for entering uh so hope you guys enjoy the games this week uh let me know what your locks are uh next week we'll try to tweet out some questions and we'll hope to hear from you guys with some questions and see you guys next week